Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Hour number two of Extra Innings is on the air, and we are joined now by, well, I mean, he's a legend. He is a, a legend. You can't even describe it, really, because this guy just is beyond description. It's the Graz. Why Why bother hearing me talk? Let's get him on the line. Graz, how you doing tonight? Curtis, doing great. It's terrific to be on the show with you, and um, really, really appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're thrilled to have you on here, and uh, what else has been thrilling has been this ride the Mariners have taken us on over the course of the month of August. 21 wins, the most that any Mariners team has ever had in a month. Graz, I got to know, how are you feeling about this ball club as we head into September, tied atop the American League West? Can I say that I wish this month happened in September? <laughs> I know. If there's this last month is going to be just torture on everybody. Well, I mean, it was obviously it was it was everything that that uh, the record says that it was. It was spectacular to see um, Julio Rodriguez. You know, I I don't think we can logically expect him to have the same September that he had in August. But what a what a stretch he had, and you know, you saw the team kind of feed off it a little bit. You know, Cal Raleigh, you know, came up big. Yet other guys came up big as well. The pitching has remained good all year, you know, despite some some injuries. I think, you know, if there was a little concern maybe about the about the stability of the bullpen, um, Anthony Munoz may have may have calmed those fears if, if there were legitimate fears there for a while. And you know, here you are, you know, for the first uh, but the latest in, in 20 years, you were in first place in the division uh, heading into September. With um, the fact that you got 10 games to end the season left with with Houston and Texas as well, I mean, this sets up as just a spectacular spectacular month of September for the Mariners. And um, I think we've learned over the past two years that we're not going to let a slow start uh, make us judge this team again. I think twice, twice is enough. We've now learned to just, just stay patient with these guys because their, their habit the last two years has been good late and, and it's really paying off for them so far. Yeah. Fool me once. Shame on you. Was it fool me twice? Shame on me. And uh, can you ever remember a time in your years covering this Mariners team where they just had a, a fleet of arms like they do, whether it be in the rotation or in the bullpen? Absolutely not. <laughs> not even <laughs> close. Um, you know, uh, you know, when they, when they had their run with Pinella, of course, it was, it was primarily built on the, on the fact they played in the kingdom and they had just an unbelievable offense and had one great pitcher for sure. And they had a really good guy in the bullpen left-hander for a while as well, but nothing like what they've got now. And I mean, you know, you, you kind of forget they, they absolutely shrugged off the loss of Robbie Ray, who, I mean, I know he didn't have a good postseason last year, but was a Cy Young award winner two years ago. They paid him $150 million, expected him to be a big part of the rotation this year. And, you know, they haven't, haven't missed him at all. I mean, you've seen, you've seen, you know, George Kirby. I, I think these, these comparisons that are, that are being made to, to Felix Hernandez's start are, are apt. You know, he, he looks that dominant, and, and he's just this special. Logan Gilbert, after maybe having a hiccup or two in the first half of the season, has been just lights out in the second half of the season. Um, it's just, uh, you know, Castillo is exactly what they hoped he would be. And, uh, you know, Marco Gonzalez, by the way, another little veteran arm that they lost this year, and, and you don't even feel it or see it. So, no, to answer your question simply, they've never had a rotation 
that is this deep and this talented before. That voice you're hearing is the voice of the Graz joining us on Extra Innings. He's our special guest to lead off hour number two. And Graz, getting back to the offensive side of the ball, which has been a huge reason for this hot streak. Obviously, Julio's getting the headlines. Uh, that's you know kind of goes without saying. But another guy who has had a fantastic second half of the season is Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, has your opinion on him changed at all throughout the course of this season? Or, or have you always kind of felt like this was uh, something he was capable of doing? I thought it was maybe a little bit of a rush to judgment on him because it's the guy who had you know, success, obviously. And the Mariners saw it firsthand last year and had some success in you know, Toronto before that. So you know, to me, this guy was a proven commodity, and he certainly was struggling. And we have seen guys struggle here before, but you know, it's not, it's not a difficult place, as difficult a place to hit as it was uh, you know, during the – during the, the heyday 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it's a much easier ballpark to hit in. And this guy is, a, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase, a professional hitter. Um, you know, you expect the power numbers to be what they are, and, and I think he's going to wind up pretty close to what you're anticipating uh, when the year comes to an end. And a guy like him, uh, fairly, you know, more, more typical of, of, of hitters in baseball, where he's a streak hitter and, and, you know, tends to pile up numbers in bunches and is starting to do that a little bit. And I think there's still some room for him to have a big September as well. So, I think, you know, he, he was the one guy you know, who needed to step up for sure because he's the only big offensive move they made, and he did. And then, you know, the other things have just paid off for him. And, and you know, you always need some luck. You always need some stuff to work out for you that you don't expect. And, and I think, you know, trading Paul, Paul Seawald, you know, you, you looked like, you know, you were, you were I'm not going to say giving up, but it looked like you hurt your bullpen, didn't look like you added anything. And, in fact, the two guys they added uh, have done terrific. You know, have absolutely had some key hits and, and, and made some, made some you know, huge, huge, had some huge, huge at-bats, I should say. So it's, um, you know, the Mariners have that going for them as well. They've had some of the X factors that I think you need to have to have a special season, and, and they're happening for them. And, look, I, I think Kelnick coming back and have a big September would not be a shocker either, and it would be a huge, huge shot in the arm if, in fact, he does it. So uh, I think there's a lot that, that can still go right for this team. And, look, I mean, you get to the postseason with this pitching staff, you're a contender. You're in it, you know, as as much as any other team is, and uh, that would really be exciting too. Yeah, this uh, this pitching staff has the horses for sure to hang in October, and I like that you mentioned Jared Kelnick because uh, gone is the August 31st waiver, you know, trade deadline that used to exist in baseball. So you kind of look to this point of the season. Where are you going to add? Where are you going to add? Jared Kelnick can be that guy for this Mariners team, you know, because he had a a pretty good first half, obviously the best of his career. Uh, You add that bat to a lineup that has already been producing, uh, all of a sudden now you kind of look at the the ceiling of this team and the ceiling of this offense, and you're kind of like, well, maybe, you know, it could even get better from here on out. Yeah, and, you know, the thing to consider too, Curtis, is we're just talking about four weeks now. You know, you got four weeks left, four or five, four and a half weeks left in the season, so – Kelnick has a hot week. That's like a hot month earlier in the year. I mean, it makes it makes that big of a difference. I mean, he has a hot last 10 games of the year. It can be enough to, to put this team, you know, into the division championship. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, I agree with you completely. You know, it, it's, it's a potentially a big company. It definitely had some good moments the first half of the year and, you know, has a chance to, without a ton of pressure on him, I don't think, you know, because of the way things have been going, you know, has a chance to just, uh, you know, kind of get back in the groove and, and how about just throwing a good week together and carrying the team for a couple of games? That's the sort of stuff that you're looking for in September when you played all those games, you know, A, a pitching staff to, to carry up, but B, you know, a hitter or two having a, having a big game or a big stretch, you know, can, can really make the difference for you. And, and he seems to be a guy who could, who could very much, very much fit the bill for them and do that. So, yeah, he is a, he is a nice addition to make. 
Graz, I wanted to get your thoughts on a, a topic outside of the Mariners, but sticking in the AL West. And that is what Shohei Otani's free agency looks like this upcoming offseason because uh, Mariners fans have long wanted him here in Seattle. Obviously, the All-Star game was taken over by chance of, you know, sign with Seattle and whatnot. Um, but obviously, the, the elephant in the room now is that elbow injury that he is dealing with that could potentially require a second Tommy John surgery. If you were in charge of the Mariners' bank accounts, uh, what do you do if Shohei Otani is like, yes, I will sign with you, but it's got to be uh, the absolute top of the market. I'm not coming down from that. Uh, would you be willing to make that risk if it meant bringing him here to Seattle? Well, we have seen guys, you know, with after two Tommy Johns pitching the league, and and so um, I would not say say that I think he's he's is only going to be a one way player at this point. Now, if he is. What's he going to hit? Forty-seven home runs this year, and, and hit you know hit what, what he's close to three hundred. Um, you know, he's the best offensive player in the game, as well as a, an elite pitcher. Um, I still think I'd have a tremendous amount of interest in him. Um, and you're right. I mean, if I'm his agents, I'm I'm saying, look, you know, this, he's still who he is, Shohei Otani, and uh, they're not going to close the door on him being a pitcher. He doesn't want to do that, and I don't think he will do that. It obviously won't be a factor in his first year. But, um, you know, it's going to be a big decision for the Mariners, a big decision because, you know, you're talking about probably you know, paying a one guy uh, $40 million, $50 million. I mean, something in that range is what it's going to take. You know, the amount of years may be what the difference is because, you know, a team like the Yankees are not going to back off. A team like the Dodgers are not going to back off. The Angels are still going to keep trying. So, you know, I, I think that I would say this at the end of the day, I think the Mariners' situation in terms of Otani is the same as it was if he wasn't injured. I really don't think that there's a huge difference in, in the demand that's going to be, be in his uh, in, in his his deal for the for the for free agency this year. I, I think you know even though he was having the second surgery, just what he has done offensively and and his bounce back ability, you think that he has, uh, you, you should have. Um, you know, I think he's just he's probably gonna he's probably gonna get close to what he was gonna get, if not the same that he was gonna get. And I think if you're the Mariners. You know, you were, you were kind of relying on, on some other things being a factor, and one of which is winning. Other is, you know, remember the, remember what he said during the All-Star break, too, is that he's come up and spent some time in the offseason here in Seattle. So, yeah. I mean, you've already got, kind of got that going for you a little bit. So I would I would still be very interested if I was the Mariners, but I would, I would expect that it's probably going to still cost pretty close to what it was going to cost when he was pitching, too. He is the Graz Graz. We got you just for a couple more moments. Tell the good people what you've got going on. Uh, I noticed you've got a fundraiser going on for the Optimism Walk, which I know is a cause very near and dear to your heart. Uh, let the good people know uh, how they can get involved with that. Yes, the, uh, for the APDA, American Parkinson's Disease Association, which uh, unfortunately I've had for the last four or five years. It's their, their major fundraiser, and um, they do an Optimism Walk. It's September the 30th. Um, I got I got a bunch of posts on on Twitter at the Graz uh, that has uh, the place where you can. Uh, in fact, I posted one today where you can you can make a donation. I'd certainly appreciate it personally. Um, it, it's probably not going to be enough to to get the cure for me, but but it certainly can do something for 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 someone coming up. And and you know I hate to see anyone else get this disease if there's a chance to to get rid of it. And you know it's it's become the fastest growing neurological disease, unfortunately, in in the world. And and uh, we're making some progress against it. So uh, this is the big fundraiser. I'd appreciate any donations people can make. And 
like I said, I've got a link, uh, a link on my Twitter page right now, and that's, that's coming up at the end of this end of, it's 31st, right? So with the end of next month. Yeah, and you can follow Graz at the Graz on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're clicking that link there. Also, you've got uh, your weekly Twitter Spaces with your old partner Gas. Uh, make sure you're listening into those. When when can uh, we we tune into that? It's on Friday live at 11 a.m. and then they usually keep it posted up there on on X or Twitter or whatever it is now <laughs> for a couple of weeks. So uh, it's a lot of fun for me and Gas to get together and just you know shoot the bull for for like we did for for 15 years for about 20 minutes, but. About all the good radio we probably have in us at this point in time, about 20 minutes a week. <laughs> Love it. He is the Graz, a legend, obviously. I've said it many times already, but he truly is. Graz, we love you here, and uh, thank you so much for stopping by and, and giving extra inning some time tonight. Curtis, I would really appreciate it. Uh, you, you're doing a terrific job, and, and uh, anytime you'd like to have me on, I'd love to do it. Always a pleasure to have the Graz come on. In about 15 minutes from now, we'll take a listen to what John Morosi of MLB Network had to tell Wyman and Bobby on yesterday's show. But up next, Jerry DePoto, as he does each and every Thursday, stops by Seattle Sports to give a update on everything going on with his Mariners organization. When can we expect George Kirby and Julio Rodriguez back? We'll take a listen to what he had to say earlier this morning. That's next on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Here's the set and the 1-1 on the way to Julio, swinging a drive, deep into center field. Butler going back, looking up, goodbye baseball, into the pen, Julio Rodriguez with his 24th home run of the season. Three RBIs on the night, it's now the Mariners, six, and the A's nothing, what a month, what a year, what a young career for Julio Rodriguez. You really do hate to see the calendar turn to September with how memorable this August was. And I thought it was a really good point by Graz in the last segment where he said, you know, I kind of wish that this month had happened in September because yeah, there's so much unknown heading into September with this Mariners ball club tied atop the American League West with the Houston Astros and also hold just a one-game lead over the Texas Rangers for the AL West lead. They've also got a, a stranglehold on an American League wildcard spot. Like There are plenty of playoff implications every single night with whatever the Mariners do, with whatever their opponents do. So you, you just are kind of sitting on the edge of your seat every single night in September. But uh, let's not lose sight of what a great month it was in August for them, for Julio Rodriguez, for Teoscar Hernandez. Jerry DePoto, Mariners president of baseball operations, he stopped by Seattle Sports earlier today, as he does every single Thursday for his weekly conversation. And uh, plenty of questions to be asked, especially after wrapping up the best month in franchise history. But you got to wonder, just how is he feeling coming off of a 21-win month and setting themselves up for a September that I think a lot of us will never forget. Probably just the way it felt for the fans. And, you know, I know Scott felt the same way. It's to, when you get on these rolls, just enjoy it. It's so much fun. And, you know, I, I think I said it last week, and I'll say it again, now that the month is over. I mean, the, the way August went for us, I mean, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. And, you know, we kind of needed something special like that to happen to put us in the position we're in. 
now we wake up in, in September tomorrow, I guess, and, and we'll, we have, uh, for the first time, put together a, a, a club that's in first place, as we had into September. And, and uh, you know, that's a special thing. And to, to have it happen in the way it happened where, you know, we had Teo and we had Julio and Cal hit a homer, what seemed like every other day. But, yeah, every single player on that roster from 1 to 26 and even a couple of other guys that weren't there from the start chipped in, and it was such a team effort throughout, and that's what made it feel so special for everybody. One of the things we really appreciate, Jerry, is when you give us kind of some of that behind the scenes and the numbers and the things that you guys look at that even the most devout and uh, sabermetric star out there outside of your walls doesn't always see from from some of those numbers, some of those next-level numbers. How did you guys go about winning 21 games? What jumped out to you, statistically speaking? Well, I mean, we three strike one. That's the the biggest thing. And it's really, if you had to write the book, what's the one thing the Mariners are about? It's throwing strike one. And our pitchers did it, you know, religiously all month long. And they've excelled at it all year long. And it's something that that really we feel does give us a, a tremendous advantage. And we did that. Uh, we started to pick up hits in the big situations where maybe in in May and June, May and June we were struggling. You know, our everything ramped up. Our runners in scoring position ramped up. We have, and I know I've said this to you guys throughout the year. You know, we haven't really struggled from day one to create base runners. We've been very good at, at, at putting runners on base. We just weren't great at converting them early in the season. And what we saw in August was guys started coming up big. And and the dial started landing on the same guys it was landing on in May and June. And this time they came through. And, you know, it's, uh, it really changed the whole, the, the whole arc of our season. We're going to get into uh, a bunch of those players, et cetera. But before we go any farther, I just wanted to take a moment here and, and just ask about some of these injury updates and specifically the one that I know is on the mind of every Seattle Mariner fan this morning. Do we have any new information on Julio? Uh, no, nothing new, you know, other than we don't think it's a major issue. Uh, we should know more. I, I have not been in touch with the guys this morning. I'm back in Seattle today myself, a little banged up, <laughs> so um, you know, that's Uh-oh, what happened in New York? What happened? Uh, I came down with COVID. So I am, uh, oh, I'm homesick, uh, so to speak. And uh, I do think that, that, you know, the, the Julio situation should be resolved in, in days, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, but really won't know until I check in with the, the medical people. Interesting. So is this the way you uh, found to get out of having to wear the uh, Run DMC getup? <laughs> I have to tell you, I was disappointed not to wear it. I, the, it was, it's looking at the, it's, that's kind of our era, you know, and, and so fun. And I, I think a, a great thing, Julio, it was his idea to, to have the team do it. And, you know, Scott happened to know somebody who knew Reverend and it turned into a, a thing, which, which that winds up being one of those little team bonding things that, that we have run into so many times over these last eight years. And, and they're really fun. Who wore it best? Who wore it worst? Mm. I think Julio wears everything back, but just to be honest with <laughs> okay. you. You know, he looks better in things than most of us do. We thought Gino wore it very well. Maura pointed out that Gino kind of has the right look for it. Uh, Gino also has the right look for anything, and more than anything, Gino has the right confidence for anything. <laughs> he can put anything on, and it, it looks naturally better because his confidence level right. is, is such that he can sell it. Yeah. You know? 
I, I will reserve comment on, on who I think wore it worst, but I have to say, just that looking at some of the imagery, because I wasn't there to see it, but looking at some of the imagery and just picturing in my mind, I don't think it's something that Bone would pull off very easily. But you never know. He, he could be the one rocking it better than anybody. I mean, I saw Scott. That's, I don't know if that was a good look whoa, for Scott. Whoa. I love Scott. I really do. <laughs> I don't know whether I would say Scott pulled it off. What do you think? I don't want to create, like, you know, a tension in the ranks here, but did Scott pull it off? Hard questions. I, I, I have to say, it's, I wouldn't think it's the aisle Scott's naturally drawn to when he goes into the department store, but it's, I thought he did okay with it. Hey, Jerry, you had mentioned to us a few different times Julio this year and just some of the adjustments, and, and I love that stuff. And and I'm, I'm curious, has Teo done anything different, or is this just Teo, man? And when he gets hot, you let him ride. I think the latter. You know, and, and we've learned so much about Teo. I, and, you know, obviously he has had kind of an up-and-down run and, you know, been more up and down for the last three months, really. And, you know, he was awesome in June, and we got a glimpse of what he could be and – you know, I, I think Justin hit on this somewhere over the last couple of days, and and I and I think it's spot on. It, the 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 pressure associated with a team with expectations that's underperforming as you head into the trade deadline, and the, the what that creates for the guys in the clubhouse. It's I, I've lived through that in my lifetime, and it's not easy. And you know, in, in this case, I do think that for a couple of our players, maybe. Tail most notably, just the, the the ability to relax and breathe after the trade deadline and and go about your business really did a lot. And you know he's he's killing it right now. And I you know I wish I could tell you why it it, it went up down and then up again. But this time he's bouncing even higher, which is kind of you know a thing we do is is we learn from those adverse situations and we bounce a little bit higher and. And right now, Teo has been as hot as anybody in the league, not named Julio or Mookie. So it's, uh, you know, good for him that, that he was able to do it and good for us because he came just at the right time. So how do you know? I would think, in fact, I was talking to somebody in your organization just this week who said to me that they feel like more and more the biggest challenge in baseball is just trying to determine when someone's going to turn it around or if they're going to turn it around. How do you know when to be patient with a player and when to pivot and move on to someone else? You know, usually it's work. You know, it's who's putting in the work, who's taking the time, who's trying to make the adjustments. You know, and then you're looking at underlying data, you know, like what Brock said earlier. We're always looking at what's happening under the hood. Are they swinging at the right pitches? Are they hitting the ball hard? Is this something, you know, this this hot streak or struggle? Is it something that stands out from their career norms? And 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 then just try to make the best decision you can once you manage all of that information. But you know, Teo, Teo really hadn't done anything terribly differently this year than he did any other year of his career. He still hit the ball hard. You know, he's always had a little bit of chase in his game, especially with the breaking ball. And uh, he just didn't really get those hot streaks like he like he has historically. But, you know, as I said, in two of the last three months, he hasn't just been hot. He's been torrid hot. And now when you look up, we're heading into September, and his counting stats are right on par with the things that he's always done, which is, you know, frankly, it's why we traded for him, was to deliver what he's delivering. And, and throughout with, with Teo, and, and I think you've heard me say this, you're not going to get a better guy 
great smile, awesome in the clubhouse. He works his tail off every day, and he never changed. You know, and then he never blamed any type of struggle, any type of you know, like the three week downturns that he might have experienced through the years. He he kept coming right back, talking about the team game and focusing on the things that he could do. And 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 then lo and behold, he kind of broke through, and and hopefully he can keep it running this way through October. Jerry, you believe in clutch? I do. I absolutely do. Momentum, too, is a big thing for me, which I think we saw uh, night before last. <laughs> you know, clutch is you. There's some guys that just know how to breathe when the moment gets a little bit bigger, and you know, they, they know how to keep themselves in tune. They they find something in themselves, and you know, for th- those clutch moments, they they do come up. You know when they're happening. I, I, I'm a minor league manager once tell me uh, I'm a pitcher and, and I had all my numbers were, were as good as you could be. I'm striking them out. I'm not walking them. I'm getting it on the ground, but I'm not winning games. I'm never out there to win games. And when I am, I'm, I'm taking losses. And, and he said to me, there are three moments in a game where you absolutely know the game is on the line. You have to start identifying what those moments are and then react and respond. And, and uh, there are some guys that just naturally know that. And, you know, we've had more than a few of those moments in, over the course of this last month. And, and our guys have responded quite well, which tells you that they're identifying. We've got a little bit longer to go here on Seattle Sports in the Mariners Radio Network. We'll take a look at some of the biggest headlines in Major League Baseball to finish off the second hour, including a wild day on the waiver wire, especially with all those players that the Angels placed on waivers just a couple days ago. We'll take a look at the results. Also, the Mariners getting involved with one of those waiver claims. We'll tell you who they ended up signing today. But up next, John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. He joined Wyman and Bob yesterday for his weekly conversation with them. We'll take a listen to what he had to say about this Mariners ball club and where they are heading into the month of September. More to come. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. One thing I heard earlier today on Seattle Sports, it was part of the Jerry DePoto show, and he mentioned that maybe it was the trade deadline passing that was a big reason why Teoscar Hernandez has kind of taken off in the month of August. And uh, August has really been, I mean, just the start of it uh, has been a tremendous month for the Mariners outfielder. And he kind of mentioned that Teoscar had maybe been able to exhale finally uh, once the uncertainty of the trade deadline came and passed. And he has been able to then use that to build his confidence. And and as we've seen, he has flourished uh, over the course of the last month. Uh, If it weren't for Julio, I mean, Teoscar is probably your American League Player of the Month. That's just how good he has been in a Mariners uniform over the course of August. John Morosi, who has been following Teoscar Hernandez's career very closely, he was one of the first people to really put Mariners fans onto the idea of acquiring Teoscar Hernandez in the offseason. He joined Wyman and Bob yesterday for his weekly conversation, and they got to asking him about Teoscar Hernandez's hot month and just kind of where was this all season long. Here's JP's answer. I love it because if you look at what he's done in the last month, uh, he's got an OPS above 1,000. He's batting over 360 with power. He's driven in 20 runs in the last 30 days, which is a remarkable stat uh, when you consider his season. And 
I, I think overall, we talk about the, the, the ways in which the Mariners' season pivoted and turned and, and, and the crucial moments that arrived late in July and then into August. Sometimes they say the best trades are those that you don't make. And I really believe that, that Teoscar's name was out there in, in the month of July, but that for them to make that move, they were going to need to be overwhelmed in, in a deal that brought them back a lot of value and, and helped them be a good club right now uh, and, and strengthen them and still gave them a chance to make the playoffs this year. And obviously it's a darn good thing that no one ever made that offer <laughs> because yeah. uh, he might be doing all this in a different uniform. You know, he's, he's such a productive player. He can be streaky. Um, you know, I, I, I watched the Jays closely and saw that for a number of years. He can have months where he, he really – um, is is not someone that you notice that much, which I think was the case early on this season. And then then he'll have months where he is he is the man that is in the middle of everything. And I think to your point, you know, Julio has has delivered the energy and and consistent. The the hitting streak has been unbelievable. The, the, the sheer brilliance uh, certainly is is what Julio is specializing in. But in so many ways, Teoscar has been the metronome of what they have done for this last month. He has been there the steady RBIs, the professional at-bats. Often, of course, J-Rod has been on base when Teoscar has come up. And I I do think that if if you now were to uh, have a a recorder rolling during a a pitching and hitting meeting or a pitching and defensive meeting going on for the the opposition of the Mariners, they would basically say, we can't let Julio beat us and we also can't let Teoscar beat us. And when you start adding multiple players to that list of of guys you're afraid of beating you, now you know you're in business. Because at some point in time, as Ron Jackson, who was the hitting coach of the Red Sox during their heyday, uh, I remember him always saying, somebody's got to pay, is what he would always say. And and when you've got enough guys going, eventually somebody's got to pay. And and whether it's J-Rod, whether it's J.P. Crawford, as in the series finale against Oakland, uh, whether it's Teoscar, uh, whether it's Cal Raleigh, there there are now multiple guys on this team who can make people pay, and that's the reason why this has been one of the best teams to talk about in the whole sport for the last month plus. Yeah, Teoscar is so interesting to me because of what you just said. He can he is extremely streaky. I mean, it's kind of all or nothing. You look at the first two months, not great. June, great month. July, horrid. He hit two hundred with a two forty eight on base in July, and you're going, oh my goodness! I thought he found his rhythm, and then you look at August, and he's he's killing it so he's extremely streaky he can be you know we've seen how productive he can be i know i'm I'm getting ahead of things here but he's a free agent at the end of the year is he a guy you think the mariners should be eager to bring back what, what would your feeling be about him you know I, I think he's certainly someone that they they should honestly uh look at keeping now if you don't keep him and this comes the question of um if you don't keep him then how do you feel about Marlowe, Canzone, Kelnick, uh, how does all of that look uh, in terms of the balancing of, of the club? I, I also think that when this team was originally thought of, when, when the season began, there was this notion that they were going to have to rely on multiple veteran hitters to, to, to surround and, and, and sort of fortify this club. Well, Wong obviously was a disappointment. Pollock was a disappointment. Lestella barely played. And, and so when you look at those elements of the team – I'll be curious to see how many years Teoscar wants. He's, he's 30 years old. He's basically the same age as, 
as Mike Ford's the, a little bit younger than Eugenio Suarez. So he's, he's one of the more veteran players in the team. If it's a two-year deal, if, if I found a, a palatable two-year deal for him, I would, I would take it. I, I, w- I would have him on the team because I just think that he, he gives you a lot of insurance and protection in different ways. He can be a DH. He can play the outfield. He's a, he's a popular teammate uh, in a lot of ways, and he's consistent. I think this team, it's still young with some of the position players, which means there's some up and down. We even saw that with Julio this year. Let's not forget what we were saying in May and June. Yeah. So you look at Teoscar, it's amazing. Entering, entering the Wednesday game, he had played the same exact number of games that he had played in Toronto last year. So 131. 131 games with the Jays last year, 131 with Seattle previous to Wednesday. And, and he drove in 77 runs for the Jays and 78 runs for the Mariners. 77 <laughs> and 78. 25 homers for, for Toronto, 22 homers for Seattle. It's, and 133 hits last year with the Jays, 135 for the Mariners. It's wow. the same dude. Wow. And, and in, a, in a sport where there are some inevitable ups and downs, when you got someone who's not old yet, I mean, he's, his, next year is going to be his age 31 season, I think you, you have him back. Because I, when you can mark down darn near 80, 90 RBI, more than 20 homers, that's valuable. It, it really is. And, yes, he strikes out. Yes, he doesn't walk that much. But, but he produces runs. And I think for this team, and this is, again, one of the great blessings of having a relatively inexpensive pitching staff. Uh, but in, in general terms here, of course, when you've got this many good young starters who aren't making $25 million a year, you can go out there and keep Tejasco for one more year. So I, I just think he makes sense on his own merits based on what he's done, and he really makes sense when you look at how responsibly distributed the rest of the spending is for this team. Hey, JP, you know, we talk a lot about like Wong and LaStella and Winker, and this is kind of the same thing with the Seahawks in the draft. You know, they'll whiff on a guy every once in a while. Right. But, but the only way to, to look at that is to compare it to other teams, right? So it's not like the Mariners are the Lone Rangers here with, you know, missing out on a guy like LaStella, Wong. I mean, it, it happens fairly commonly, at least to my eye. Would you, would you say that that's the case? Or Yeah. Okay. 100%. And, and look, I mean, for a couple of reasons, I'll say this. In terms of if, uh, if I were to say, okay, you can buy stock in any team over the next five years in Major League Baseball, the Mariners are, are one of the top five teams for me in terms of what their next five years look like. Look around. Would you rather have this roster, this payroll, this organization, this young pitching, or – the Yankees or the Mets or the Padres. I mean, you'd probably say you'd rather have the Dodgers overall situation. The Braves are a model organization. Those two are sort of in a class by themselves right now, but look around the American league with the possible exception of Baltimore. Who's whose five years are you more confident in than the Mariners? And honestly, I don't, I don't see anybody. That's, that's how good I feel about this team. Um, that when you, when pitching is your foundation, you've got a chance to be good for a long time long time and and so i i think that too and you're right there's always going to be mistakes the 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 benefit of and we, we talked about this before too the benefit of 
of not having signed Trevor Story, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa at different times in the last couple of years is that they were able to bring in Castillo, bring in Teoscar, and make the decision on Castillo. Yes, he's a guy we want to build around. We're going to sign him long-term. Boom, there's a deal. Uh, with Teoscar, they have that chance to do it. They know that he works there. J.P. Crawford, same thing. I mean, he wasn't an original Mariner. That was a very smart move when they brought him in. So I think you look around and say they have hit more than they have missed. I also think, too, to kind of bring back one of the conversations from July, you know, I had somebody with the organization tell me very clearly about you know the Seawall deal and how it all played out. Yes, they miss him uh, back there to some extent, but they really needed right now position players that they could put in the lineup and, and get at bats. And when you think about, you know, Ken Zone's numbers haven't been amazing, but he's been solid in my, in my estimation. And Roas has been really good. Roas can move around the diamond for you. And that's two lefty bats that, that bring more balance to your club. I, I, I certainly, you know, Seawald, amazing guy on the mound and, and in the clubhouse. But they needed position players. And both Ken Zone and Rojas fit roles on this team. Dylan Moore fits a role on this team. Caballero fits a role on this team. This is the way that teams look when they're going to make a run. I, I really believe that. Look at the American League right now. And, and this is where whenever, whatever team we're looking at, and I think Baltimore fits in the same category Texas does to an extent, when the bottom two teams in the American League East read Boston and New York, that says opportunity for everybody else. Because history says they're not going to stay down there very long. History says you look at the, the wild card era of, of the American League and how many years – how many times did you have multiple years in a row that did not feature a Boston or New York team in the ALCS? You know, last year, the Yankees were there. The year before that, Boston was there. This is a – they're there all the time. And all of a sudden, when those two teams are gone for a while, it, it, there's way more seats at the party for everybody else. And, and we're talking about that kind of a time right now. So even though this feels like the start of something for Seattle – who knows? This might be their best time to win in the next four to five years just based on the dynamics of the league. Seize the opportunity. One last segment here on this Thursday night. It's time for a round of pepper. Looking at the biggest headlines in baseball, including a wild day on the waiver wire. The Mariners get involved. We'll take a look at what move they made, as well as some other teams in the wild card and divisional hunts around Major League Baseball. That's around the break right here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Extra Innings. Last little bit before we go here on this Thursday evening. Really want to thank you for making us a part of your Thursday. Make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com or on the Seattle Sports app. Let's take a look at some of the biggest stories in baseball to round out this evening. And a very quiet day around the world of baseball. In fact, there were just four games on the schedule today. That is the smallest slate of games on the schedule since September 26th of last year. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I don't like not having uh, just a a game to flip to or, or whatnot. I get that tonight is also kind of the official start of the college football season, Florida and Utah playing, but uh, very little action across Major League Baseball, especially in games that have an impact on the AL West race or the American League wildcard. Uh, no games today have an impact on either one of those races. 
You have the Yankees and Tigers uh, as New York lost in 10 innings to Detroit. Anthony Volpe uh, became a 2020 player, though. You've got the Marlins and Nationals, the Giants and Padres, and the Braves and Dodgers, uh, all three National League games. So not a lot going on. I mean, obviously that Braves-Dodgers series is going to be a big deal in the National League. The two best teams maybe in baseball going up against each other. So uh, that one will be of big interest for sure to National League fans. But out here in Seattle, all we care about is that AOS race and that American League wildcard race and just kind of where those teams are. Everybody in either, either of those two chases getting the night off. Let's take a look. Elsewhere around Major League Baseball, and the biggest story of the day in the game was the waiver results of all those players that the Angels placed on waivers uh, just a couple of days ago. The Mariners were picking 26th out of 30, uh, so they didn't have a ton of opportunities to get guys that could have fallen to them. Uh, The biggest names that were moved today... The Cleveland Guardians claimed Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore all from the Angels. Giolito and Lopez, get this, they have been involved in four separate transactions together. Like, they come as a package, okay? They were traded from the Washington Nationals to the Chicago White Sox. They were traded from the White Sox to the Angels just this past trade deadline. And then a couple days ago, they were both placed on waivers together by the Angels and then we're both claimed by the Cleveland Guardians today. Now, I got to be honest, the baseball waiver system is a little interesting. I find it odd that Cleveland was able to stockpile a bunch of talent today for, you know, the only cost being that they're going to pick up the rest of their salary. I thought Dan Heron, former major league pitcher, uh, has who has one of the great uh, Twitter handles at iThrow88, He said this. He goes, I've done fantasy football leagues enough in my life to understand MLB waiver process is broken. One pick, then head to the back of the line. I agree. I think if you have your mind set on one guy, uh, then, yeah, it's got to be your turn to make that pick, and then you don't get another shot. Because I wonder if Giolito, Lopez, and Moore would have lasted uh, even longer had the Guardians been forced to move to the back of the line once, say, Giolito's turn was up. I, I will be interested to see if the Mariners, you know, if we hear that they had placed waiver claim on, on any of these guys that were selected. But very interesting to see that Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, this is now the fourth separate transaction these two have been involved in together in their Major League Baseball careers. Other names that were moved today, the outfielders involved in the waiver claims uh, Harrison Bader, former New York Yankee, he was placed on waivers and he was selected by the Cincinnati Reds. And the Reds also claimed Hunter Renfro, the outfielder that the Angels put on waivers as well. Now, here's Harrison Bader talking to Yes Network, the Yankees television network, about the less than stellar way he found out he was being placed on waivers. How did you find out you were put on waivers today? Um, I was in the uh, lunchroom. I saw it on a uh, ESPN. I guess something. Uh, I guess it popped up somehow over there. So that's how I found out. What was your reaction when you saw that news? Uh, like, what does waivers mean? <laughs> but you know, listen. In all seriousness, um, regardless of what 
happened or may happen, you know, just getting the opportunity to, uh, you know, play in this uniform. And I still hopefully do get the opportunity to play in this uniform. Uh, just everything that's happened has just been an absolute blessing and an absolute gift. Um, and like we all know here, you know, I'm a New York City kid, um, and I never in a million years thought I'd play in the big leagues, let alone for uh, the New York Yankees. So just the opportunity uh, has just been incredible, and I've loved every second of it. So. Very rough way for Harrison Bader to find out that his Yankees career was probably coming to an end. He has been a a very good defensive outfielder in the course of his uh, Major League Baseball career. Same with Hunter Renfro. Uh, Bader not really hitting that well this season with a 643 OPS. Uh, But the Cincinnati Reds are a team that are are very much in the conversation in the National League. You look at, at the National League wild card. Uh, you've got them uh, just a game back of the third wild card right now, which is being held currently by the San Francisco Giants. The Arizona Diamondbacks are a half game uh, behind the Giants, so you've got the Diamondbacks and Giants ahead of Cincinnati. I don't blame them at all for making those moves to look and, and possibly add at this point of the year. The really confusing one, though, is why Cleveland went all out, and they are not even close to the final wild card spot. In fact, they trail the Texas Rangers by 11 and a half games in the wild card chase. But here's the kicker, and this is why the Guardians were so active today. You look at the American League Central race, they are just five games back of the Minnesota Twins for the lead in the AL Central, and the Guardians have a 64 and 70 record. Now, they do have a three-game series coming up against the Minnesota Twins September 4th through the 6th, so that's next week, the start of next week. That's an opportunity for them to climb in the American League Central standings, but it is kind of interesting to see a team that probably will not have much say in, in how things go in October so active today. Uh, and, and to Dan Heron's point, if you make a claim on one guy, you got to go to the back of the line would Lopez and Moore have been available for more teams? Now, here is where the Mariners get involved today. The Mariners claimed reliever Dominic Leone. Now, if you recall, Leone has had a stint here in Seattle. In fact, that is where his career started ever since then, coming up in 2014. uh, He has bounced around Major League Baseball. He's pitched for a lot of ball clubs. He has pitched uh, in his 10-year career. He has pitched for eight different ball clubs the Diamondbacks, Giants, Cardinals, Mariners, Mets, Angels, Guardians, and Blue Jays. He's most recently coming from the L.A. Angels system after they acquired him in a trade from the New York Mets at the trade deadline. So the Mariners getting some bullpen help today. I think that's a really good move. You can never have enough arms coming out of your bullpen. You can never have enough pitching, really. I mean, we've learned that this season is that if you don't have enough pitching, especially this time of year, you're going to be in for a world of hurt. So good to see the Mariners address that uh, today and, and get involved in the waiver wire, especially with you know a wave of guys getting placed on waivers. Also, you had Randall Gritchuk, who was placed on waivers by the Angels. He did not get claimed, so he, I believe, goes back to the Angels now, uh, and he remains with L.A. for the remainder of the season. You got to have everybody on your roster before September first comes around because that's when you, you you're basically locked in, uh, or guys who are eligible for the postseason. You got to have them on your roster by September first, or just have them in your organization by September first. Uh, also today in Major League Baseball, the Chicago White Sox, who have been undergoing a bit of a facelift over the last couple of weeks, 
They had since fired their GM, Rick Hahn, and then they also had fired their president of baseball operations, Ken Williams. Well, today they officially introduced Chris Getz as their new general manager. Jerry Reinsdorf has been under a world of fire from White Sox fans this season, uh, basically you know, wanting him to sell the team, especially considering that they had just gone through a rebuild, and now here they are uh, tearing it down to the studs again just a couple of years later. Reinsdorf was asked in the press conference, you know, why have you considered selling? And, and here's Reinsdorf's quote. He says, friends of mine have said, why don't you sell? Why don't you get out? My answer has always been, I like what I'm doing as bad as it is. And what else would I do? I'm a boring guy. I don't play golf. I don't play bridge. And I want to make it a bet. I want to make it better before I go. End quote. He's a boring guy. He doesn't do anything. So he just continues to own a baseball team that is mired in mediocrity feel bad for White Sox fans uh, because, boy, they had a real shot at a, a you know at opening up a championship window just a couple seasons ago, uh, having that amazing farm system. They promoted all these guys to the big leagues and then just never added around them. Uh, hopefully the White Sox will see better days coming up uh, in the next few years. Obviously not at the expense of the Mariners. You don't want to see that, but... Uh, certainly a situation worth monitoring. That is going to do it for us here on this edition of Extra Innings. We've got quite a few days. Uh, our <laughs> Extra Innings has days off uh, coming up here. We don't talk again until September 14th. That is the next Mariners day off because you've got games coming your way all over the course of the next two weeks. So that is going to be a lot of fun. You've got the Mariners and Mets Their series starts tomorrow, 3 p.m. is the pregame show. You've got Mariners-Reds. That series follows the Mets series, and then this 10-game road trip concludes with four against the Tampa Bay Rays. It's September baseball, everybody. It's here. I'm super excited for it. I know you are, and uh, let's have some fun. So that is going to do it for me. I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.